now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Today, on an all-new Dr. Phil, she made her sister an unusual promise. If she ever passed away, I would marry her husband. Where does it say you can only marry one sister per family? I've married a lot of men, but never my brother-in-law. Plus, a former beauty queen who's scared to be skinny. When I'm thin, I'm a target for creeps. When I'm heavy, I'm a target for mean people. Is it possible those aren't the only two choices? Let's do it. I hate to see people suffering. You've hurt long enough. Stand by, Dr. Phil. Roll Take crap. I'm going to get you the help that you need. This is going to be a changing day in your life. today. It's Ask Dr. Phil Day. Okay. First time I ever did this was on Oprah. That was like 17 years ago, if you can believe that. From East Coast to the West Coast, we're going to be talking to Twitter, to Facebook, emails, letters. I'm answering questions from everyone everywhere. Take a look. Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil. My three kids argue with each other all the time. How can I get them to get How along? can I keep the relationship fresh and exciting? How can I get my three-year-old son to stop having tantrums? Dr. Phil, I need to know, is it best to seek premarital counseling before you get married? How do I stop being the bank of mommy to my 23-year-old daughter? I'm wondering, where can I find a good man? Well, I told him no question is too off the wall for me, and here is a perfect example. Now, Nina wrote us a tweet. She asked, my mom won't stop singing at the top of her lungs all day, every day. Is there a reasonable way to ask my mother to please stop? We thought it can't be that bad. So we asked Nina to send us some video. Here it is. This could make your ears bleed. Take a look. Elise are joining us on Polycom. So, hello, guys. Hi. Hello. Okay, now, first off, do you sing like every day? She says you sing every day, all day. Is that true? Does this, if, oh, I, no. if I were to knock on your door and open the door, would I likely hear you singing when I got out of my car? No, you would not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, have you asked her to stop? At first, you know, I try to be nice and let her sing and have her fun, but as time goes on, 
I just end up losing my patience and I do ask her to stop or I ask her to wait till 10 a.m. or later. Oh, Elise, um, you like to sing and it's your house, correct? That's correct, Dr. Phil. Okay, and Nina, you live with your mother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you're how old? 26, Dr. Phil. 26. <laughs> Dr. Phil, you heard the singing. Let's not stray. <laughs> you no. heard it. Yeah. No. Yeah, I heard the singing. I also heard you say that you are an adult living in your mother's house, which means you're her guest, and if you don't like the musical program, move. I mean, I, I mean seriously, you might want to take a singing lesson. I don't say this for Nina. I say it because I don't want the ASPCA all over me about the dog. <laughs> Seriously, it's your house. If you want to sing, sing, sing. <laughs> all right. All right. We thought our next question was an interesting one as well. Roberta's sister, Pam, passed away suddenly two months ago. But before she died, her sister had a dying wish that has left Roberta very torn. My sister Pam was my best friend. We were part of each other. My sister made me promise that if she ever passed away before me, I would marry her husband and take care of him. Pam brought that up to me probably a hundred times in three years. When she would bring it up to me, I would just, whatever Pam, because I'm gonna die first. Pam passed away July 27th of this year. She had a massive heart attack in her sleep. I used to look at Lanny and Pam's relationship and I would think to myself, she's so lucky. I want to find someone like that. Two weeks ago, Lanny came to visit me to see if maybe there was a spark there. And I have to be honest, we kissed a couple times and there was a spark. I trust Dr. Phil with everything in my being. I watch his show more than Robin does because I see the reruns. <laughs> I need somebody to tell me that it's okay. I married a lot of men, but I've never married my brother-in-law. Dr. Phil, is it moral to marry my late sister's husband? It was her wish. I'm very sorry for your loss, by the way. She died unexpectedly in her sleep, but she said to you, you said a hundred times, something happens to me, I want you to marry uh, my husband and take care of him. What you found out is that she had also said that to him. If anything happens to me, I want you to marry my sister. That's right. And you guys be together. When she said that, what did you say? Did you say okay? I did. I said okay because I, he's, he was like my brother, but I didn't think of it in the way now that it is. Well, let's not think of him as your brother, because that's kind of <laughs> creepy. If, that's if, why I'm here. Okay. <laughs> well, so your question is, is it moral to marry your s deceased sister's husband? Yes. And y you think, what would be immoral about that? I've never heard of it done. And I've married a lot of men, but I've never married my brother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> You say, what would you call a lot? You say you've married a lot of men. I've been married three times. You've been married three times. Yes. I thought it was four. 
Well, I don't count the fourth because it wasn't for very long. You what? It wasn't for very long, Dr. Phil. Oh, so you've been married like three and a half times. Yep, that's right. Okay. <laughs> so now you're faced with this dilemma. You made a promise to her and said you would. He made a promise to her, said he would. Now the two of you are saying, well, should we keep our promise or is it immoral, right? That's me, yes. Okay, that's your question. Well, when we come back, we're going to hear from Lanny, get his thoughts on marrying his sister-in-law. Is it with sister-in-law or ex-sister-in-law? Anyway, <laughs> you get it. We'll be right back. Monday on an all-new Dr. Phil. Pretty on the outside. I didn't like your wardrobe lady. You spoke to our producer. I just didn't like the questions he was asking me. A bully on the inside? You want to fight. Absolutely. I can't apologize for you anymore. And I can't be a punching bag. See why this is America's most watched talk show. I think you have, like, zero self-esteem. <laughs> I just think that's the dumbest thing I've heard yet. That's Monday. Well, it's Ask Dr. Phil Day, and I'm answering all kinds of what I think are interesting questions. Now, Roberta's sister, Pam, tragically passed away unexpectedly and just recently. But before she died, she asked Roberta to take care of her husband, Lanny, who had throat cancer. And she also had another dying wish for her sister, which was to marry her husband, marry him and take care of him. Now, both Lanny and Roberta thought it was an odd request. And here's what Lanny has to say. Because of the throat cancer, he now speaks with a, a tracheostomy. Take a look. Before Bam died, I, I didn't have any feelings for Roberta, except for her being a family member and a good friend. I miss my wife, Bam, but I feel ready to be with her sister, Roberta. I don't struggle with this at all. My main motivation with Roberta is to have a partner again. I feel if I have a lot to offer Roberta, and she could have a very nice life with me. I think Bam is definitely jumping up and down in heaven. I'm sure she's rooting for us. Do you think that, do you think she's rooting for you? Absolutely. You think she's up there saying, go for it? Absolutely. Okay, so look, l let me give you a very serious answer to this because you're getting ready to make a life decision That's right. that could affect you for months. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That was smart-ass, wasn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, come on. So, but here's the thing. First off, you, you have to look at intentions, and you don't owe it to your sister. This is not the kind of trade that you make that somebody says, I want you to marry this person and take care of him if something happens to me. You, you, are, you are released from that obligation. Now, having said that, it's also not immoral for you to marry him. He is a widower. The fact that he was married to your sister is in the history. You can't, you can't live your life looking over your shoulder, right? Right. So what do you think about what I've said so far? I'm listening, Dr. Phil. <laughs> that wasn't the question. <laughs> I didn't say, are you listening? I said, what do you think about what I've said that it's not... A, a, a moral transgression for you to marry someone that used to be married to your sister. I mean, that's, that does happen. So what do you think about what I'm saying? He said again. Well, I don't know how I feel about what you're saying. I, I do feel better that you're telling me that it's not an immoral thing because what that's what I was looking at. It, what code does it violate? Where does it say 
you can only marry one sister per family. (laughs) Where does it say that? I mean, is that biblical? Is it in our social mores and folkways? Where does it say that? It doesn't. Okay, so that's just something you put on yourself. I will tell you this. You have to evaluate your relationship with him totally independent of sister, morality, or whatever. If you wouldn't meet him, fall in love, and marry him with no history whatsoever, you should not do it now. Okay? Okay. You hear that? What do you think about what I'm saying now? Well, I'm wondering if the history that we created as brother and sister-in-law can fit into this because we were very, very good friends in, this, in their marriage. Listen, successful relationships are based on solid underlying friendships. So that's a real plus for you, I think. It's not a negative. It's a real plus. But the last thing I want to say to you is you've been married, by your description, three and a half times. Okay. <laughs> You need, there's a common denominator here. What's the common denominator between number one, number two, number three, and number half? Well, you were the common denominator. Oh, yes. You yes. were in the first one, right? For a minute. And you were in the second one, right? Yeah. And the third one. Yeah. And the last one. So, I mean, you, you're the common denominator. You need to go back and do an autopsy on those relationships. You need to deconstruct those after the fact and figure out what it is you're doing that is contributing to the demise of, of these relationships. That's why I've been single for a long time. I have figured that out. Well, great, because anything, you know, it's kind of like you get in an airplane, take off, and crash. And so you say, well, give me another airplane. You get up, take off, <laughs> crash. So, well, give me another airplane, take off, crash. Say, so, well, give me another one, take off, crash. Pretty soon, don't you think, you know what, I'm going to step back and figure out how to fly this damn thing before I keep launching off. Absolutely. And that's what you need to do before you go take off again into the wild blue yonder of romance. You need to really learn how to fly. And then if you can do that, you've got a chance because the statistics are against you. The best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. That would predict that this relationship won't last. So you've got to figure that out first. So, okay? Okay. All right. Coming up, a mom who says she deserves to spend $1,000 a day. But she says her hardworking husband just doesn't agree. (laughs) Really? I'm so shocked (laughs) that he's not down for that. Well, her question when we come back. I want what I want when I want it. This is a Chanel bag. I don't remember buying it, purchasing it. Well, today is Ask Dr. Phil Day, and I bet a lot of you can relate to this next question. Amanda says she has a shopping addiction that is ruining not only her credit score, but her marriage. Take a look. There's nothing that makes me feel as good as shopping. I want what I want when I want it. I love to buy clothes and shoes and handbags. Anything that makes me feel good about the way I look. This is my absolutely favorite Michael Kors bag. I absolutely love it. For now, I love it. I just bought three new pairs of sneakers last week. My husband did, actually, not me. This is a Chanel bag. I don't remember buying it, purchasing it. Steve and I got married almost four years ago, but we've been together 27 years. If I don't get my way with my husband, I pout, I cry, I'll get mad at him, and I won't talk to him until he gives in to me. Our finances are really bad at this time. My credit cards have been maxed out for years. I probably have 
25 to $30,000 in credit card debt. We took out an $80,000 loan to remodel our home last year, and we don't have a dime left. I take my bill money and I go shopping. And then what I do is I take payday loans out to cover my bills. If it were my debt, I would feel the stress and the anxiety over it. But since it's Steve's debt, I don't feel the emotions behind it. Steve is very close to leaving and ending this marriage because of the shopping. Dr. Phil, how do I stop my spending and save my marriage? Or how do I save my marriage and still spend a little? Okay, now <laughs> first off, you said you have no emotion no. about this, so but you're not paying for it, right? No, I'm not paying for it, no. So somebody else is paying My for husband. it. You got somebody else out there working, nose to the grindstone, sometimes 20-hour days. That means four hours to sleep mm -hmm. and all of that sort of stuff. And then you take that money and go spend it on things that you admit you don't need. Right, yes, absolutely. And, but you have no feeling about that at all. I have all. no emotions when it comes to his being stressed out about it. That tells me that you don't have the capacity to feel empathy, and that's an important element for me. Now, let's talk about what you buy, okay? I, I made a list. You have spent $2,150 just on phones uh, just in the last year or year, so. yes. Okay, because you keep changing phones. Yes. Why? Because I had to get upgraded to the next phone, the bigger, better phone. My girlfriend had the next phone. I had to have it because she had it. Oh, cool. I'm sorry I asked. I should have known that. Okay, <laughs> you spent $106,400 on clothes, shoes, bags, $97,400 on trips, $51,000 on just general upkeep, uh, $67,000 on dinner dates, $93,000 on cars, and you have spent $43,000 on lottery tickets? I'm not going to say 43000 oh, Well, I, I will say, say it, $43,680. Yeah, I, I was spending $100 a day on lottery tickets out of my husband's bank account. $100 a day? Yeah, scratch-offs and... Okay, that's $700 a week. Yeah. In four years of marriage, and I'm astounded that this man apparently has a learning disability because it's taken him <laughs> four years to figure out that you spent $550,000 after tax dollars, a half a million dollars in four years on this stuff. What do you think about that when you hear it all put together? It sounds kind of sick. Doesn't sound right, that's why I'm here. Yeah? Yeah. Well, what, why do you think you do it? It makes me feel good, it makes me feel happy, it keeps me happy when I spend. You said, shopping is euphoric, it's a high. It helps with stress, anxiety, and depression. Yes. You just self-diagnosed. You said you have stress, <laughs> anxiety, and depression. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And you're medicating yourself with Louis Vuitton bags. Yes. Michael Kors, actually, but Michael yes. Kors, well. <laughs> uh, you might wonder why Amanda's husband, Steve, is not here. Well, first, he's embarrassed that his wife's habit has put them in debt. Plus, he says, look, I can't afford to take a day off to come to the show but he's joining us on the phone right now. Are you there? Yes, Dr. Fell. I, uh, I, I couldn't agree more with some of the things that you were saying. Um, I've stuck it out, but uh, it's getting to a point where I don't know how much longer I can stick it out. Well, you, you shouldn't stick it out if she isn't willing to do what I'm getting ready to say to her right now. 
Our Twitter's blowing up over this right now. Cassie Warren <laughs> ST says, he needs to run as fast as he can. You may be too late already. Shannon Loves TT says, this lady is living in la-la land unless that money tree really does exist. So, Steve, listen to what I'm going to say to your wife because you need to hear this. Okay. What you're doing here is medicating yourself with these things that you buy because you're not dealing with the fact that you are experiencing anxiety and uh, stress and depression. And I think this has been going on with you for a long, long time, long before you ever met and married Steve. Yes. And if I get you some help to deal with that, will you take that? Yes, absolutely. Steve, give us 90 days to work on this and see what happens before you make up your mind. All right, Dr. Pearl, I'll take that advice. All right, when we come back, a former beauty queen says she's gained over 100 pounds, and she wants to know why she has a fear of looking attractive. Maybe she's doing the same thing. Maybe she's dealing with things with food the way you use shopping. We'll talk about that after the break. I was Miss Burbank 1994. I went on to the Miss California pageant and won Miss Congeniality. At my thinnest, I weighed 128, and now I weigh 300 pounds. When I'm thin and attractive, I'm a target for creeps, and then when I'm heavy and unattractive, I'm a target for mean people. Closed captioning provided by it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's Ask Dr. Phil Day. Let's take a Twitter question. At Knock On Ginger wrote, Dr. Phil, what do I do about my friends that whine, complain about awful men in their lives, but they refuse to do anything about it? If you've got friends that are whining and crying about something, you got to be willing to step up and reflect it back to them. Say, let me, let me tell you 10 things you've talked about the last five times we've been together. Write it down, seriously, I'm serious about this. Write down the next times you're with these people, write down what is said, and then say, okay, I just kinda wanna go over with you. On the third, here's what you said. On the fifth, here's what you said. On the seventh, here's what you said. Because sometimes we don't have insight. We can't see it within ourselves. And we've always said, a real friend will tell you if you got broccoli in your teeth, right? Well, whining and crying about something and never doing anything about it is like having broccoli in your teeth or spinach in your teeth. Your friend will tell you so you don't keep doing something that's not helping you. So really, be enough of a friend to step up and reflect it back to them. All right, our next question comes from Deborah. She was once a beauty queen who says staying thin was very important to her. But now she says she's scared to be thin. Take a look. 
Growing up in my family, it was very important to be thin and attractive. My father hated fat people. When I was younger, my mom got me into modeling. I got into dance, theater, choir, cheerleading. I was Miss Burbank 1994. After the Miss Burbank pageant, I went on to the Miss California USA pageant. I won Miss Congeniality. From the age of six, I have received unwanted sexual attention from men. I was 11 years old. Man jogging by asked me if I wanted to see his, you know, and flashed me. When I was 12, my neighbor hit on me and asked me if I wanted to go drinking. Boys that I went to high school, junior high, elementary school, a lot of them would grope and grab me and slap my butt, grab at my breast. At 27, I went to a chiropractor. They were supposed to give me a robe. I'd never been there before, and they didn't. They gave me a towel. So within a couple minutes of me even being there, he ripped the towel off and jumped on me and started groping me and grabbing me. It just felt like, really? And he was telling me, don't complain, as he's grabbing my breasts and my private areas. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. I didn't want to be attractive. I didn't want to cause this sexual attention from men. And so to feel unattractive, I stopped wearing makeup. I started wearing sweats, baggy clothes. Within a year, I probably put on 100 pounds. At my thinnest, I weighed 128. And now I weigh 300 pounds. When I'm thin and attractive, I'm a target for creeps. And then when I'm heavy and unattractive, I'm a target for mean people. If I lose weight, I feel like the attention's gonna come back or I'm gonna get hurt. I do not wanna be hurt. I'd rather be fat and safe. Dr. Phil, how can I get over my fear of looking attractive? Well, you just set up a dichotomy there. You said, okay, I can either be thin and victimized by creeps, or I can be heavy and criticized with people being mean to me. Yes. Okay, if those were the only two choices, then you would have a really bad situation here, right? Yes. Um, is it possible those aren't the only two choices? I'm sure there are. If someone asked me what the choices would be for them, I could give them choices, but I just feel like there's a disconnect and I feel like that's all I have. It was interesting when you were kind of talking about your history, one of the first things that you talked about and spent the most time talking about was actually how much your father valued you being, or anyone, being fit and trim and made jokes about and teased about and was really ugly about people that were overweight. He hated fat people. Okay. And, yeah, and you knew this how early? Um, probably six. So as early as six, he's telling you that being thin equals being okay. Yes. And being not thin equals being not okay. Yes. You were an outcast, a pariah. Yeah, you were not, you okay. had no value. In okay. my opinion, that's what I felt. Okay, so early on, it was defined by how much you weigh and how you look. Yes. Okay, but do you realize that that was a really wrong message to you? Absolutely. Do you think this has anything to do with why you went the beauty pageant route? Why you, I mean, Probably. he tells you, you gotta be beautiful, you gotta be fit and trim you get that message and so you start going out there trying to get trophies for being fit and thin. Probably, yeah. I mean, it's just what we did in our town too. Everyone kind of, all the girls would go after Miss Burbank and just do it. It was just something you no, did in our town. No, no, no that's, that's not, not true. Okay. Do you know how many people live in Burbank? 100,000, 110,000 now. Yeah. And <laughs> how many contestants were there in any given Like 10 to 15 yeah. girls. 
Yeah, so there were another 109,985 yeah. <laughs> that maybe didn't look at it exactly. Now, this isn't just what everybody did, it's what you did. In your pre-interview, you talked about 14 different times that whenever you were of a lesser weight, that you were accosted yes. by men. And yes. Does that seem like a lot to you? It seems like a, a, quite a bit. And 14 also- 14 times. And that's, I mean, that's just what was and coming up. And they didn't up. know each other. Oh no, not at all. All right, when we come back, Deborah reveals the one thing her friends say, can never say to her. And later, is obesity something that you can catch like a cold? I mean, what's really behind all that? We'll talk when we come back. Monday on an all-new Dr. Phil. You see a beauty? You want to fight. Absolutely. And a beast? You're so important that the sea should just part for you. If you think that, I think that, then probably. That's Monday. Closed captioning provided by... How do you feel great on vacation? Like, really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great, you'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I feel like a monster. I feel... Like I have no value. I want to change my life. I just have to get past the part of not feeling safe. I want to feel safe and strong. Well, that was Deborah. She says being attractive is her greatest fear. And she really wants to know why. And if the one thing you don't want your friends saying to you is what most people love to hear. If they say to you, oh, you look like you're losing weight, that scares mm -hmm. you to death, right? Yeah, I get anxious, I can feel panicky, and then I put the weight back on. You have an issue here in that you have been uh, victimized uh, a number of times in people crossing boundaries with you, being inappropriate with you, touching you, taking advantage of you because they found you appealing and attractive. Okay, and so the, being attractive, being at a, a healthier weight causes you anxiety. Yes. And so instead of dealing with that anxiety, you're medicating yourself with food. Yes. Right? And yes. you've spent about $50,000 trying to lose weight when you really don't want to lose weight. 
I crash diet, and that's when I go on these crazy diets and spend all the money because I don't <clears> want to <throat> be this heavy and I don't want to feel this bad. This is called an approach avoidance conflict, okay? It's like, here's what you, you say you want, but as you approach it, you start to get anxious and yep. avoid it. It's exactly what It's I approach mean. avoidance. As you approach what you want, anxiety goes up, and so you peel off. You sabotage yourself. Yes. And let me tell you exactly what I think is going on here. I think your father told you real early on that your self-worth is tied up in how you look. And I'm sorry, but he couldn't have been more wrong. Your self-worth is not tied up in how you look. And when you looked attractive, some people took advantage of you. And you had a choice about how to deal with that. Uh, but it created anxiety, it created feelings of doing something wrong, being wrong, blaming yourself, blaming them, all these controversy that goes on within you. What if one choice was to get healthy, get to a place where you feel that you're attractive, and you had the self-worth and self-esteem that if somebody looked at you sideways, as far as being inappropriate with you, approaching you in an uninvited way, that you had the ability to stand up and say, hey, back off, bucko. Don't even think about it. I would love that. That's your body. You own it. Nobody gets to touch you unless you invite them to do so. Okay? But that's a psychological issue yes. with you. Giving yourself the right to claim that is the way to resolve this problem. You are not measured by how much you weigh. I don't want you to lose the weight so you have a better self-image. I want you to have a better self-image so you can lose the weight. That makes sense. And that is a completely different way to go about this. And I will help you as well. As I was going to help her with that, I will help you with this. I want to do a very specific plan with you, with a very specific type of professional help that will get you not only healthy outside, but inside with your self-worth. Can we do that? Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. How does that sound? <laughs> Sounds amazing. All right. Yeah. Deal? Yes. Thank right. you. Thank you, okay. Dr. Phil. All right. Now, you know, Obesity is a huge problem. The question is, could you be obese and not even know it? You say, well, no. I have a mirror, Dr. Phil. I have a mirror. Well, there's more to it than that. That answer next. We're going to talk about what all goes into that. And later, a woman with an addiction to biscuit flour. She has eaten almost two tons of biscuit flour. That's all she eats. All this coming up. Dr. Phil, I've always carried extra pounds, but during my last checkup, the doctor actually referred to me as obese. Really? I'm so frustrated. I need a surefire way to get this weight off me quick and drop this obesity label. What can I do? Well, it's Ask Dr. Phil today. Now, that was Janine, and I'm sure many of you have wondered what the answer is to her question. So I've brought in some serious reinforcements. Joining me now to talk about this is Dr. Frida Lewis-Hall. She's the chief medical officer of Pfizer. So please welcome her to the show. Thank you. 
Doctor, there's a lot more to obesity than just what people think, right? Absolutely, there's a lot more to obesity. And of course, everybody wants a quick fix. But it's really important to recognize that not only is it a long and sometimes difficult road to get to a healthy weight and stay to a healthy weight, it's sometimes even difficult to realize or recognize that you're obese. I'll get personal <clears throat> for a second, which is, as a physician, the day I sat across from my physician, and she said, now, Frida, we really need a plan for managing your obesity. I said, my what? <laughs> I was horrified. I was embarrassed. And, um, but it was a great wake-up moment for me to really get started on what is a long road. Janine is here, actually. Oh, there you are. Hi. Yeah. You were horrified when they said you were obese, right? What, was. Why was that a surprise to you? Because I thought it would be more like fat lady at the circus, you know, someone that takes up two or three seats. I know I'm overweight, but I just didn't think I was classified as obese. Yeah. You know? Obesity covers a lot more people than we like to think about, right? Yeah, absolutely. About 60 to 70% of the U.S. population could come into this category. Yeah, you say there are some weight whispers. Things That's that exactly your body, right. That, that your body tells you um, so l let's talk about that a little bit. So most people recognize wake-up calls. We've right. all had people tell us, I had a heart attack or I had a stroke. That was a wake-up call, and I really got on managing my weight. But there are also some what, what I call wake-up whispers, and that is your body telling you that you may already be experiencing some of the consequences of carrying this extra weight of being obese. Right, joint pain is one of joint those, Joint pain right? is one of them. The other one that's important to notice is uh, labored breathing or having your heart race when you take even a short walk. And for women, if they haven't had a lot of gynecologic problems but start to experience them, that's another key issue. And then some of the whispers come from outside, like you have to pay attention to your family history. If right. you have, if there's high blood pressure or high cholesterol that runs in your family, that can be a little bit of a whisper as well. What are you showing us here today? There's a lot of talk about the consequences of obesity. Come here, Bones. Is to show. <laughs> yeah, come on. So over here is a normal heart. You want to pick that up so we can see what's going on. About this size, the difference is obvious. This diseased heart is a lot bigger. If you were actually holding both of these, you would realize that this one is a lot heavier. And if we look inside at the wall, you can see how thick the wall is oh, wow. on this diseased heart. Look at that. And why is that? Because this heart has been really working over time, which is what it has to do when you're obese. Obesity unchecked uh, really causes a lot of um, important health consequences. It's a contributing factor to many of the major causes of death, diabetes, and even some cancers are included um, in that, and can also cause some other health issues that need to be addressed, osteoporosis, gallbladder disease, uh, poor mobility, infertility, sleep apnea, the list goes on. If you're letting yourself get into an obese situation, and Janine, that, that was your question, uh, and you heard me talking about it in other stories today. If you're using food to make yourself happy, not good. Uh, to ease boredom or stress. I mean, you gotta use food for nutritional purposes. And there are environmental triggers as well. Uh, you gotta control what? Food accessibility, uh, that's critical. Social eating, I mean, and sedentary lifestyle. You do have to break a sweat, right? Come you on. do. Every now and then you have to break a sweat. 
we shouldn't forget some of the medical things right. that can lead to obesity. Science shows us that genetics does have an impact, and that's very important. Um, genetics may have an influence on how much fat you store, where you store it, and may also have an effect on how efficient your body is on changing food into energy. And then there are medical conditions, things like um, hypothyroidism or low thyroid, that may add the pounds to you or make them hard to get off. So we should make sure that as you put a plan together that you consider the medical, the environmental, the lifestyle, the psychological, and all of those so that you have a plan that really fits you. The most exciting thing for me about what we're learning about being overweight or obese is that it isn't an all or nothing game. Five to 10% of your body weight, in some cases 15 pounds, has been demonstrated to bring your cholesterol down and your blood pressure down. Yeah. Find some small and, and uh, realistic changes that can be made today that give you a head start yeah. on your lifelong quest to get to and stay at a healthy weight. Yeah. For more information on obesity, uh, you can go to gethealthystayhealthy.com. Gethealthystayhealthy.com. Gonna have a lot of information and tips Great on there. Things we talked about today, plus a whole lot more. All right, coming up, in the past six years, she's eaten enough flour to make thousands of biscuits. She doesn't eat the biscuits, only the flour, and she wants to know why. Good question. Dr. Frieda, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much for being here. Closed captioning provided by Stop justifying your inactivity and avoiding the challenge of change. For help getting started, go to DrPhil.com for 11 seasons of advice, articles, and exclusive videos you won't find anywhere else. Plus, sign up for the Dr. Phil community to share your story and find support from others, all on DrPhil.com. Now, Nichelle says in the past six years, she may have eaten over 3,600 pounds of flour. Take a look. Hi, Dr. Phil. This is Nichelle. I am addicted to eating Southern Biscuit flour, and I can't live without it. Where did mommy keep her flour? Since January, I have already eaten 186 pounds of flour. If I buy a two-pound bag, it would be gone tomorrow. This has been going on for over 10 years. I eat flour all day. It's 4.30 a.m. This is what I do. I wake up in the middle of the morning and I come in the kitchen and I eat some flour. Sometimes I chew the flour up and I spit it out because I don't want to gain weight. This addiction is driving my husband crazy. We argue about it all the time. Dr. Phil, I try to quit but I always fail. Can you help me to stop eating flour so I can save myself and my marriage? So let me ask the audience something. How many of you here know somebody that eats something really weird on a regular basis? Raise your hand. Wow, I'm surprised. That's like 25 people out of this group. Um, and that's generally referred to as pica, which is eating things that are non-nutritional. And this is kind of that. Um, it, it is a food substance, so technically it wouldn't be, uh, but it's way out of pattern. And you know, here's the problem, Michelle. This can have some serious health consequences for you, putting that much in your body. 
Dr. Frieda Lewis Hall is here. We were just talking about obesity in general. You shouldn't be eating that much flour, right? Well, not that much flour, not much of that any of anything else either. And especially in the case of pica, because you're eating non-nutritional foods. And you can have health consequences. Uh, your bowel can become obstructed. Uh, she talked about malnutrition. There are other consequences that can come from uh, pica. And also, pica may be caused by medical conditions. Sometimes yeah. we look for a low iron or low zinc. Uh, people who have anemia may suffer from yeah. this. You know, so, Michelle, look, here's, here's the thing. The best thing for you to do is see your doctor uh, because there, you, you go through what's called a differential diagnostic process. The first thing you have to do is rule out whether or not there's something medically, biochemically, that's causing this craving. And if so, you might be able to take a medication or a supplement for that that would take care of that and take away the craving. But then you've now developed a really strong habit. And here is the biggest misnomer that I think people have. You don't break habits. What you do is replace one behavior with a new behavior. All right, I want, we're going to go. I want to say a special thanks to Dr. Frieda Lewis-Hall and thank to all of my guests today. For more information about the answers to today's questions, log on to drphil.com. Thanks for being here. So long. Yeah.